Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Opening day Major League Baseball, there's absolutely nothing like it, and Gino and I are absolutely lucky and fortunate to have with us Jerry Hairston Jr. of Sportsnet LA, the home of the Dodgers, to give us a little bit of a snapshot as to what to expect from this Dodgers season. Good morning to both of you, Gino and Jerry. Jerry, how are you? Good. Hey, guys. How you doing? Awesome. We got the, the earliest start for uh, Major League Baseball regular season game uh, 329. That's the earliest date on a uh, regular season game on U.S. soil. We've had a couple openings that were outside of the U.S. and Canada. But uh, baseball earlier, Jerry, I know that we just love it. And as we mentioned a minute ago off air, with, with baseball being such a marathon season and the time of the year it is right now as spring is just starting, it is kind of a, a – a hopeful and optimistic start for all the teams, for all the fans. And as we mentioned, there's a couple games going on right now. Even the Marlins, they're tied up with the Cubbies 4-4. So everybody's got a shot. <laughs> yeah, baseball is kind of like the microcosm of life. You know, I mean, it's just basically it's the first day of spring slash summer opening day. And everybody has hope. Everybody feels that they have a shot. Uh, teams feel that, the fan bases, the cities feel they have a shot. Like you mentioned, even the Marlins, uh, they don't have a shot. But today, <laughs> they feel they have a shot. And like you mentioned, they just tied it up with the Cubbies. Uh, it should be an exciting game today. But I know here in L.A., uh, the fans are excited. Or the players are excited. We're hoping uh, this is uh, the championship season that the Dodger fans have longed for since '88. And everything seems right. You have the starting pitching, the, 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 the players, uh, the, the talent level is really high, even though they're missing Justin Turner. He'll be back in about six to eight weeks. But guys like Kiki Hernandez will step up uh, in his absence, and I think he'll do a great job. So I think this will be a, a very successful season here in L.A. So on that note, it seems like the NL West in general has more, let's say, big losses going into this season than additions. Now, obviously, the Padres got Hosmer, but the Giants are going to be missing Madison Bumgarner. Dodgers are missing Justin Turner. Overall, do you think the West is a better division starting in 2018, or are they, at least at the beginning of the year, roster-wise, how do you assess the NL West? Well, just looking at the Giants, I thought they would be better. Uh, I mean, they couldn't get much worse. Last year was, was uh, abysmal for them. But when you lose Madison Bumgarner to six to eight weeks, and I think that's going to be more because that broken finger is on his uh, throwing hand. So he's going to need to build up arm strength. So I think it might be a three-month injury. When you lose a, an ace like that, uh, that's going to hurt your ball club. And then lose Samarja, too. He eats up innings. So their bullpen has, has been taxed for a couple years now. I think, you know, losing two guys like that to eat up innings uh, as well as giving the team production a chance to win, that's going to really tax their bullpen this season. So I think the Giants are going to be uh, kind of behind the eight ball for, for the first couple of months of the season. So I don't think uh, they'll give uh, teams a run for their money. Now, that being said, a team that scares me, and, and, and I know a lot of Dodger fans know this, is the Colorado Rockies. 
They're a team that historically has swung the bat. Uh, they have one of the best players in all of baseball, Noel Arenado. And they've improved their bullpen. Manager Bud Black, who I played under in San Diego, is as good as they come as far as you know, managing a bullpen, managing players and personalities. So I think the Rockies are going to be right there uh, at the end with the Dodgers. And you mentioned the Padres. I don't think they're ready to, to win, even though – you know, they, they signed Eric Hosmer. I, I think that's uh, for down the road, teaching the young guys uh, how to win and how to be a pro. But I don't think that they're going to be in the thick of things. They're just too young. They're not as talented. And the Diamondbacks, losing J.D. Martinez really is going to hurt them. Uh, you can really pitch around uh, their stud first baseman. Uh, and, and if you can do that, uh, you think that lineup can be pitched to. So uh, I think it's going to be a two-horse two race, Rockies and Dodgers. That's, now that's a great point because last year it seemed like the uh, Diamondbacks really took off after they acquired J.D. Martinez. That's when they kind of not really started eating away in a serious manner at the Dodgers' lead. But, they, you know, they, uh, they really improved their play quite a bit. And interesting, you mentioned the Giants, and I agree with you with respect to the bullpen. It seems like the issues that the, uh, losing the starting pitcher, pitching is going to give rise to is nullifying the additions of uh, Longoria and McCutcheon. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great assessment going down the wire between the Rockies and the Dodgers. Uh, Gino and I were talking the other day. We wanted to give you props, by the way, because when we had you on before the playoff uh, round started, you actually pretty much nailed it. Uh, Gino and I were giving you props because you pretty much said, look for the Yankees to make a good run, and you were not too high on my Red Sox, which disappointed me, but you turned out being right, and you pretty much called the Astros and the Dodgers in the World Series. So, uh, Jerry's predictions are pretty solid guys when you, yeah, say, you, you, know, you had the Yankees winning you thought the Yankees would would upset and kind of maybe beat win a series or two there and they would make some noise and you, you were spot on the only thing that we we missed was who would win game seven but that's the progression yeah. we got to go through as Dodger fans right it seems like a couple years ago you know we had a good team that we lose to the Cubs then last year we beat the Cubs we make it to the World Series that's the next step is hopefully what us Dodger fans are going to take this year and you mentioned, let's kind of jump into a couple of the big storylines for the Dodgers. You, you already talked briefly about the Justin Turner injury. But for the Dodgers, they're a team that's pretty well set up to handle an injury like this. It seems like they have many options. Um, maybe for, it looks like Forsyth to third with combinations of Utley, Kiki, Barnes. What's nice is even with Farmer, it looks like the Dodgers have another catcher who can play the uh, the corner infielder spots. What is your kind of overall assessment on how the Dodgers are going to fill that Turner spot? Well, you never want to see a guy get injured. I talked to Justin uh, briefly after the injury, uh, and he seemed to be, uh, his spirits have been pretty high because if you're going to get injured, you, you make sure you do it in spring training so you have an entire season to get healthy. And this could be a blessing in disguise. It, it gives guys and it forces guys to step up. You know, Kike, the last couple of years, uh, he hasn't had the advance as, as much as he would like, but he's been around, uh, you know, 210, 215 hitter, and I think he's better than that. And he's going to get a chance to play just about every day and show and prove that he can be that everyday player. And you don't get these chances too often in the big leagues, and I think this is a golden opportunity for him to step up and, and prove he could be that everyday guy. And Logan Forsythe had a down year for himself last year, and I think he'll have a bounce-back season this year. I think he's a pro's pro. 
He knows how to work the count. He knows how to hit in certain situations. And I was a teammate of his in San Diego. He came up as a third baseman. So if you were to ask him, where does he feel comfortable or the most comfortable in a, in a, at, at a position, it's third base. So having him go to his natural position at third base and having Kike go to his nat- natural position at second base, I think it will bode well uh, for those two guys. And I think there's one guy that when he first got traded over here in the offseason, everybody knew or assumed he would be traded was Matt Kemp. He is, I think, on a very important piece to this puzzle because you need his production, especially early on, with missing Justin Turner. He provides production, but also will provide protection uh, in light, obviously, of Cody Bellinger coming in in his sophomore season. I think Cody Bellinger will have a great, a great season because he has a veteran like Matt Kemp hitting behind him. And at the top of the Dodgers lineup. You got, oh, go ahead, Judah. Yeah, at the top of the Dodgers lineup there, they're one through four with the, with Puig kind of stamping himself now in that three hole with Taylor, Seager, Puig, Bellinger. You're going to get production there. And then the key is, as you were mentioning, you have Kemp and Jock kind of going to be splitting some time, it looks like, in left field. Now, if we move over to the pitching, the the starting rotation is – Kind of the same thing that it's been really for us the last few years. Very, very deep. We have Kershaw. And then, you know, we have a a lot of, it looks like probably number three starters. We probably have four or five guys that are all number three. So from a depth standpoint, the Dodgers look good. Do you think this rotation will be enough for them moving forward into the year? Uh, I do because you have guys coming. You know, I got a chance to see Walker Buehler a little bit this spring training. This kid looks dirty. I mean, he looks like an uncomfortable at bat. He throws easily 95 to 97, and then he can bump it up to 100 miles an hour when he wants to. And I think the most important thing that he's learned is he can move his fastball in and out versus lefties and righties and then, and then sink it uh, to righties and lefties. He does that. He is going to be tough to square up, and he's coming. Now, he'll be added to the rotation sometime in May, and he'll give rest to guys like Ryu, Maeda, when he needs to, Rich Hill, you can kind of back him off, make sure to, to uh, monitor his innings because these guys are a little older. But you mentioned Kershaw. Kershaw is as good as they come. We all know that. But the other guy who I think is an ace in the making, he doesn't get enough love, is Alex Wood. Alex Wood came again to spring training with a chip on his shoulder, having something to prove. And he was an all-star last year, and he – was outstanding last season. I think he's going to take another step in the positive direction to be that uh, 1A to to Clayton's ace. So, you know, having Alex Wood right behind Clayton Kershaw, I think, is as good a one-two punch as there is in baseball. And that's good stuff that Walker Buehler was able to kind of get the, uh, you know, jitters out of the way in September and his call-up. You know, he had moments where he looked really good. Now he's got, a, you know, another spring training under his belt. So I'm excited to see what he could do, former first-round draft pick out of Vanderbilt. Before we let you go, Jerry, I know that you got well, I got, I got one more. I wanted to ask about the Dodgers, if you don't mind. I was just curious about the back okay. of the bullpen, Jerry, and what um, we know. I think it's kind of similar to uh, when we look at the, the starting rotation. We have maybe the best, probably the best in baseball in Kenley. What do you think it's going to be like, or what are some of the names that you're hearing that are going to be the guys that are maybe handing the ball directly to Kenley? What are we looking like for maybe the seventh and eighth inning uh, guys? As of, as of right now, in the seventh, you're looking at a combination of guys. They're going to go matchups. Uh, Fields had a pretty good spring training. He'll get the ball at times. 
Scott Alexander uh, pitched uh, with the Royals the last couple seasons. I, I think he's going to be a lights-out lefty. He can get both lefties and righties out. And JT Shagwa, I hope he pitches a lot because I love saying that name. <laughs> he looks to be pretty, pretty nasty as well. So I think uh, those three guys are going to bridge the gap to Kenley Jansen. We know Kenley Jansen is as good as it gets. Uh, he's a Mariano Rivera type of reliever, and hopefully when it's all said and done, he has as many championship rings as Mariano Rivera. So uh, I think the bullpen should be pretty, pretty solid. Uh, and, and like I said, the Dodgers are as solid a team as there is uh, heading into the season, and they got a chance to, to do something special this year. But, guys, i got to run. Uh, busy day, opening day. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Very, very thankful for you to be able to spend a few minutes with us, Jerry. Go get them. We'll be watching you in a couple of hours, hopefully talking about a Dodger victory on opening day. Take care, my friend. All right. Sounds good, guys. All right. Take care, bud. And there you can you follow have. him. You can follow him at the real Jay Hare on Twitter uh, for at Sportsnet LA. Jerry covers the Dodgers. He does a great job. Uh, he knows the Dodgers in and out as well as anyone. And, for uh, a little 10-minute preview, we, you basically hit everything. We talked the batting order. We talked the Turner injury. We talked the, the left field spot, the rotation, and the back of the bullpen. So we, we hit everything uh, that I think most of the Dodger fans out there are kind of not worried about, but just, just some of the questions coming into the year because that's what every single team has, lots of questions as they head into uh, the start of this marathon season. Yeah, and, you know, let me tell you, they do a fantastic job on Sportsnet LA. I really love watching their analysis, their breakdowns. They really cover everything very thoroughly. Oral Hirsch I mean, is great. Nomar, Ned Coletti. Ned Coletti's on there. He does a great job. Is, yeah, they're all really, really good. They do a fantastic job. You know, if every team had a crew like that, you know, they would be well served into really knowing what's going on at the clubhouse and getting some real serious insight into their uh, – their club, you know? Well, you know, and Jerry knows about the way the, the game is being played today in particular because he was one of these super utility guys when he played, yep. you know? And that and that's yep. kind oh, of the yeah. way that, that the game is, is shifting nowadays. We're seeing a lot of guys, uh, a lot of players who can play multiple positions, who are very versatile, who are interchangeable. You play outfield, corner infielder spots. We're seeing the, like, the Dodgers have two catchers that can also play infield which you just don't see very often. You know, Farmer can play the corner infields. Austin Barnes can play second base. So, um, and, and Jerry, he he knows the game so well, but he really knows the way this game is being played because this was the game that he played forever. He was one of those guys that could just play anywhere on the field. Oh, yeah, and he played, you know, within this decade, so he's got some recency there. And the thing with Jerry is he's played on a World Series champion team. He's been on a rebuild. He's been on a contender. He's kind of seen it all. He's kind of seen it all with various managerial types of guys. You know, obviously he was with this ball club under Don Mattingly, and he's seen what Dave Roberts has been able to do. So the, the depth of his analysis and his insight is, uh, is really fantastic. I mean, I, I think, and I'm just not just saying this because he's a friend of the show and, and, and a friend of mine, but, you know, he'll be winning some awards, and, and if he wanted to, you could see him pretty much on any network. He's going to have a good future on the broadcasting side of things. One thing I'd hope to get from him, and we'll have to bring him back on, is wanted more predictions. You know, oh, we yeah. talking we'll, about how we'll great get... of a job he did. You know, I wanted to see if he kind of felt that, um, you know, repeats are very unlikely in baseball. But this season, I don't know. It's, I could see it it's being a different season. Dodgers once again. 
Well, what generally what happens in a lot of the projection models that you see in baseball, um, they're they're very conservative. A lot of the times, they're not going to go out of their way to predict teams to win higher amounts of games than they are really lower. They they play it safe. A lot of these models and the models this year. They have, you know, a top four teams that are all mid to upper 90s in wins, which just does not happen. It really does look like the talent is concentrated at the top half and maybe the top like six to eight teams in particular this year. So we'll, we'll talk to Eno in a minute and we'll uh, we'll get more on the rest of the league because Jerry did such a great job predicting last year where we wanted to be able to see if we can maybe make a few wagers on some of, uh, on some of Jerry's picks going forward. We're just about uh, two, three minutes away from a break. So we'll... We'll talk a little more Dodgers before this commercial, uh, uh, till this commercial break, and then when we get back, we'll have uh, Eno, and we'll kind of expand to the rest of the league. The only real things that I, I think we didn't get to hit uh, much with with Jerry were um, the the fact that they're going to send Andrew Tolls down, which you know it's not really surprising. What we've seen a lot from the Dodgers, Mike, in the the past couple years is they use the DL now with the ten day DL, and they send players up and down. Um, so often that if you're the, if you're a player that and, and you're on the Dodgers and you were just on that cusp and you got sent down, so if you're like a Tolls or a Sagadin, um, and you know Jerry mentioned Walker Bueller, I think he probably won't come until a little bit later on in the year. I think they're kind of they want to try to save some of his innings to where they matter a little more. Um, you're going to be back and forth and up and down. The Dodgers are just one of those type of teams. That's how they build their team. They're constantly making moves. They're constantly shifting pitchers up and down, players up and down. So. Um, I think, like always, we will see the Tolls in the second and, and these guys, and they'll be there to fill in. Because for the Dodgers, Mike, that is really their strength, is their depth and their versatility. This is the team that the ownership wanted to build, and, and they really did build it. And you know what? With the new 10-day DL rule, uh, new as of last year, you know, that's even more important. Now that, you know, the concussion protocols and things of that nature, to be able to, you know, effectively utilize the depth of your roster and, and, you know, basically be, being able to, to send guys down bring them up, get a, a quick lift for a weekend. Like you're talking about bringing up a tolls or somebody like that. That's huge during the course of a 162 game season. Yeah. And it keeps, what it did too last year is it kept everybody fresh. We saw, I think in the world series, I think there were only a couple pitchers that were even qualified for the ERA title because so many of them would have injuries or if you're, you're feeling a little sore, it's much easier to go on the 10-day DL and just miss one start. And then you come back and you kind of freshen yourself up a little bit. We've seen bullpens going or starting rotations going deeper, maybe even, uh, you know, like six-man rotations that just go shorter. Now the Tampa Bay Rays are doing the opposite. They're going with the four-man rotation, and then their fifth game is going to be really just a bullpen game all the way through. So uh, really fun, lots of experimenting going on. In, uh, in the world of baseball. And when we get Eno Saris on next, we're going to talk to him about some of those experiments, some of the things happening in analytics, and kind of some of the major storylines and how they change from year to year. So let's take a quick commercial break. When we return, we'll continue talking some baseball. We'll continue talking um, about the MLB opening day. Eno Saris will be our next guest. You're listening to the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola here and Mike Abadir. We'll be right back. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. 
Are you ready for the latest sports news, the culture around the game and unique insight? Then you need to make Kareem and the Coach your destination each week. Host Kareem Rush played for the LA Lakers and has the inside track to personas in both professional and college sports. Co-host Eric Newman is a former basketball coach and now a producer and filmmaker. Together they cover sports and entertainment in a fast-paced hour every Friday at 5pm Eastern Time and 2pm Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam have the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby on Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Baseball opening day, and uh, we're back now to uh, where everybody's playing today, except for the postponed game between the Nationals and the Reds. But I think this is the way the baseball season should be, an opening day where everyone is playing top to bottom, and we bring in a man who covers the MLB nationally for the Athletic. We had him on uh just about a month ago or so to kind of set the tone on what was happening in spring training. Eno Saris joining us. Eno, big day today. Um, where are you located? Kind of how do you take in opening day? Actually, I am taking it in from home so I can watch all the games. Nice. Um, I'm going to go. I'm up here in Northern California. I'm going to go to Oakland tomorrow um, and uh, and cover cover the game and talk to some players. But uh, today, I thought. I'm going to stay home and be able to watch all the games uh, instead of just one. So I'm, I'm, I've got multiple screens going right now. That is awesome. Love that. Love that. So are you, a, uh, you know, being uh, you know, located in the Bay Area, are you a Giants or A's fan, by the way? My family, they're all Giants fans. Uh, it's, been, it's been a while for me since I've been a fan. I've been writing a lot of fantasy uh, baseball and writing about baseball now for about eight years, so. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a fan of a single team anymore. Gotcha. Now, now, we... I grew up, in, in, uh, you know, up in Northern California as well during the days. I'm a big Red Sox fan. And during, you know, my childhood was when Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire and Carney Lansford and Dave Stewart and Eck and Walt Weiss and, and some of those clubs, and they'd always whip up on my Red Sox year in, year out. Let's uh, let's start with the Red Sox just because I love them, and then we can kind of expand and go nationally. 
What are your thoughts about their addition of J.D. Martinez? And do they have enough pitching to, uh, you know, the Yankees are getting all the hype because of the uh, bashers. But what are your thoughts about the Red Sox and the AL East, you know? Well, I'm excited to see David Price come back. I think that people have underrated him and that he'll come back well off of that, uh, off that injury last year. I'm excited to see sale price at the top of that rotation. I, I absolutely think that in terms of stars, uh, the Red Sox can hang with anybody um, across baseball, and they really addressed their biggest need with J.D. Martinez, which was power. They, they had a really decent offense, good offense. There's a lot of really good hitters um, in that offense, but in terms of power hitting, they didn't really have that standout bat. Now with J.D. Martinez pushing everybody up and down around in the lineup around him, uh, being in the middle of that lineup, they're, they're going to hit for a lot more power. I, I expect, actually, Mookie Betts had, an, had a lesser reported injury last year. I expect him to hit for a little bit more power this year, too. So, and then Ben Attendee is just going to get better and better with every year. So I, I would expect them to be middle of the pack or better in power um, and, and really great at every other facet of the game this year. And the only thing that I really see as an issue for them is a little bit of depth. I mean, if if uh, sale or price go down, you know they they already have Eduardo Rodriguez on the DL, and I don't not sure they have a lot of talent after that. Yeah, now, uh, it's interesting that you bring up that bat with JD Martinez because we saw exactly what happened when Big Poppy retired. I mean, the year before, you know, their offense was uh, was a juggernaut. They were probably uh, I think the most uh, run scoring team in the American League. And then Big Poppy retires. You think, okay, well, there's there's a replaceable bat there with, uh, you know, bringing Mitch Moreland and other guys pick up the slack. But that offense just slipped big time, especially in the power numbers, which ended up bringing down their run totals. I'm hoping that J.D. Martinez in the middle of that order can have a Big Poppy-like effect and carry the rest of the lineup. I agree with you on the depth. Will Stanton, Sanchez, and uh, Judge break the all-time trio record of 154 home runs set by the 1961 Yankees. No team has done that since then. Now, if you take last year's totals, granted, Giancarlo was with the Marlins. The three of them had a total of 155 home runs. What do the analytics say about those guys? Well, when you have a standout year like that, uh, mostly the numbers regress you backwards to your career. Um, And so judges actually projected to regress more than any other baseball player uh, this year. So the numbers say they're not going to do it. However, you put Stanton in that park, um, you give Sanchez another year of growth, I think, um, and then you, and if you think Judge made some real changes, which I think he did, um, and doesn't deserve to be regressed that hard, then, uh, then it's certainly possible, as, as evidenced by the fact they did last year. But the numbers would say, not going to happen. Give us one surprise team in the American League. It's, it's, when we talked to you last time, we know it's pretty a top-heavy league. Um, it seems like a lot of the, the favorites are going to be very, very tough in their divisions. But who's a team somewhere in the American League that you think might um, outplay their projections or might be a little bit better than people think? I think the biggest, probably high-variance team are the Angels. Um, right now, our projections have them winning 84 games and being right there with the Blue Jays and the Twins fighting it out for the second wild-card slot. But I could really see all sorts of different outcomes. And I just wrote a piece 
10 bold predictions that I put up at The Athletic. And I think after Shohei Otani's terrible spring where he had under a 400 OPS and an ERA of 27, um, you know, I think a lot of people think that he's already a bust. I, I predict he to be a top 20 starter. If he's gonna, it, it's a bold prediction, so it's designed to sort of be wrong 70% of the time and, and find interesting things that will happen next year. I think if the Angels are good, Otani is good, he doesn't get injured, I'm not sure that he needs to bat for that team to be good, but everyone needs to stay healthy. Um, but they've, they've put in a lot of places, pieces now around Trout, where they've got a legitimate third, third baseman now. Uh, they've got one of the best defensive, if not the best defensive shortstops in the game. Uh, they went and got Ian Kinsler at second. So at every position now, they've got a legitimate major leaguer that's going to be average or better. Um, and it's all about whether or not that rotation stays in one piece. They've got a bunch of injured guys. Andrew Haney's already hurting again. Tyler Skaggs just had Tommy John. I mean, just a, one after the other. They all have had surgeries in the last couple of years, including Otani had some elbow issues. So there's, this could go really poorly where they all hurt all the time and they can't find any starting pitching and it's just a terrible year. Or they have that one shining year where everyone is is healthy and uh, they could. I mean, they could go all the way. They have the best player in the game. Let me ask you this: Is it the uh, foregone conclusion that the Nationals are going to run away with the NL East? I, I, in my ball predictions, I put them winning it all. Um, I, 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 they just have all the stars. I mean. They, like with any other team, injuries could come. They have uh, one of the older uh, pitching staffs in baseball, actually. I think they were second oldest uh, when I looked. Uh, so there is some risk there. Um, but they just have stars everywhere. And, you know, the Mets could win it if all their pitching staff is healthy. But, it's, you know, for everybody else, everything has to fall in place. For the Nationals, you know, they can, like, look at last year. They survived um, losing their starting center fielder and their starting shortstop for large portions of last year. And uh, so if they're just a little bit healthier this year um, than that, then they should, they should really run away with it. Now, if you were talking to... They've got a rookie manager. Uh, yeah, well, uh, you know, the, to me, a manager is mostly about uh, managing personalities. It's mostly about having uh, having the right tone uh, and setting the right tone with the players, having the right sort of camaraderie, having the right uh, just making having the right personality to manage all these different personalities that are that are underneath you. So um, I don't think all rookie managers are the same. Uh, when I look at uh, a guy like Gabe Kapler in Philadelphia, I think that could go either way. He's very intense, a very analytical. Uh, and he's taking over a really young team, you know, who knows how that'll go. Uh, but I don't see the tenor that I, that I hear from Dave Martinez. I don't really have, I don't think that that'll be a problem in, in, in Washington. Kind of led me to a perfect question I wanted to ask you about, and the contract that was signed a couple of days ago for Scott Kingery, a six-year, $24 million contract with a chance to get up to around $65 million. This is a player that he's compared to Pedroia, really fast, kind of gritty, he could play multiple positions, um, versatile, kind of like a Zobrist-type player. This is the largest guarantee for a player with no Major League Baseball experience. He's never played a game in the bigs, and he's already getting 
a six-year, $24 million contract. This is something that we don't really see in baseball. Where do you stand on this contract? And um, is this something that might shift the way contracts are you know, going to be given out moving forward? I think they are decently – they're decent deals for the teams. They're usually um, – basically, if you sign three or four of these types of deals, um, then one – if one is a star, it pays for – the ones that don't work. So I think, you know, teams want to do this. The Astros wanted to sign a lot of their young guys, and they only ended up signing Singleton, I think, to an extension, and and it didn't work out. So it is one of those things where you want to do it, the teams want to do it, but in order for it to be a good strategy, they have to have multiple players sort of agree to it. Now, over in Philadelphia, I'm sure they approached most of their young guys saying, would you like to sign this sort of extension? Because... By locking Kingery in to $24 uh, million, that's, that's part of it. But then they also have options for the next three years. If he's a star, those are years that he could have gotten $20, $25, 30000000 million a year for that he's only going to get $10, $11, $12 for. So he gave up a lot on the back end with those options. Now, if he's not that good, they won't, op- they won't use those options. They will, need- they will just give up $24 million. That's why they- they'll do this bet. But if he is good, they make up a lot at the end. Now, Singleton didn't work out. But if, you had, if they had signed three or four guys to the Singleton contract, then the one guy like Carlos Correa or whoever that ended up being a star would have paid for so many John Singletons. So this is the kind of thing that I think teams want to do, and it just takes the right player. You have Cattell Marte in Arizona that said yes. Uh, it takes the right player that just wants to have that financial security uh, and is willing to give up those option years to do it. But um, I don't think that it's always the right idea for, for a young player. I know it's hard to, hard to hear that because it seems like so much money, but if he's, if he's as good as they say he is and as the projections I mean, One good is, year, right? Just like if he has one good year, that? he could have been making a lot more money in a few years. Yeah, I mean, one good year. Like, yeah, for sure. I mean, if he has one good year, then arbitration should cover those $24 million. Um, you know, if he has one good year at the right moment, then arbitration will award him, you know, 10, 11 million in one of those years. And then he's made half of that guarantee back, you know? So, um, yeah, and then on the end, if he has one or two good years, he's going to be 33 when this contract is up. And the way things are going right now in free agency, like nobody's signing 33-year-olds. So this could be the only deal he gets. Well, and you kind of read my mind when you brought up the example of uh, Carlos Correa because I'm kind of thinking, let's just go back, you know, three, four years. If the Astros had been able to lock up some of the, their young talent, man, they would be styling right now because they're talking about three guys that could potentially be over uh, $200 million players. Well, I know that Altuve now is off the, you know, they've already got that yeah. contract wrapped up. But it's kind of an interesting trade-off. It's an interesting strategy. I agree with you that if you do it in, in numbers – you know, two, three, four guys, it makes a lot more sense. A little bit of risk on both sides. Interesting to see if this is kind of going to be a, a deal changer moving forward. Uh, let's shift the focus a little bit to the uh, AL Central. I, I, I look at that division and I say that's probably the least competitive of any of the divisions. Uh, you know, it's the Indians and Twins and then everybody else. Just based on the analytics and on the numbers, do the Twins keep up with their pace from last year and, and continue to improve? And are the Indians the uh, runaway winner of that division? Yeah, the Indians are projected for 102 wins. Uh, not, not projected for, they're projected for 94 wins. But they could, I think, they had 102 last year. 
I think they could win 100 again. I mean, I think they're going to beat up a lot on the Tigers and White Sox, uh, who look like they, and the Royals, you know, they look like they are sort of rebuilding and haven't really put together really competitive squads for this year. The Twins, I'm a little disappointed in. I thought they should have been in on more pitchers this year. Um, you know, maybe they were. I'm sure, you know, the rumors were that they were in on Jake Arrieta. Um, but I, I wish that they had gone all the way because now our projections have them as basically a 500 team, maybe an 82-win team. They're a good team, but they got kind of lucky in getting as far as they did with the pitching staff they did. I mean, they traded away their closer before they went on a run and made it to the postseason. Um, they basically had one good reliever and maybe one or two good starting pitchers last year, and one of those two good starting pitchers last year is hurt right now. So... You know, I, I really thought they should have gone out and tried to sign a couple starting pitchers, uh, especially in a time when starting pitchers were cheap. Lance Lynn was, was twelve million dollars. I mean, they got him, but you know, why not also get Cobb? Why not you know be in on on Arietta? Why not try to? Get, I think they did try to get you Darvish, but it would have been better if they'd gotten two or three pitchers and maybe a reliever or two uh, beyond what they did. So uh, I think they'll be good. They'll regress some. I'm not sure they'll make the postseason. We are here with Eno Sears from The Athletic. You're listening to The Mike Abadir Show. Eno, do you, uh, we're coming up on a break. Do you have a few minutes to hang with us after the break so we can just kind of hit a few of the other divisions? Sure. Awesome. Let's take a quick break then right now. When we return, we'll get back with Eno Sears. We'll talk about the AL West, and then we'll hit the, uh, the NL Central. I think those are really the two divisions that we haven't uh, sunk our teeth into yet. So quick break here on The Mike Abadir Show. Don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. We're talking big game adventures this week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav. While most seasons are still months away, that doesn't mean we can't start preparing for our fall pursuits right now. Joining us is Jana Waller, host of Skullbound TV, Derek Ratliff, president and founder of Horizon Firearms, plus Tom and Nick of Become One. It's presented by Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, World Fishing Network, and My Outdoor TV. Friday afternoons at 1 Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready for the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Want to get inside of the minds of the players and coaches? We'll talk everything sports, but with a focus on the NFL, NBA, and college football. We'll review and preview the week's big games. We'll talk about the draft choices and free agents and go inside the teams for news, recruiting, and what's next from the colleges to the pro teams. It's the Get Down with Hurley Brown. Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific, on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. 
1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadeershow.com. Now, back to this week's program. We are very lucky to have Eno Saris from The Athletic here with us. And for opening week, they have a sale on theathletic.com, 40% off if you go there. And an unbelievable team you guys have assembled there, Eno. If you are someone who's like me, if you are a baseball fan, if you are a fantasy baseball player, I know there's a new section that they added there. The Athletic is the place to be. And it seems like it's a very um, fan-friendly site. seems like any kind of feedback that The Athletic gets they make adjustments and they give the readers what they want. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've done a lot of fantasy baseball writing in my past, and uh, a bunch of readers said they wanted my pitching ranking. So, boom, you know, a couple of days later, we had a whole fantasy site with a bunch of fantasy previews, team by team, and stuff like that. So, you know, because there's, we're making a direct connection to the readers with the subscription, but that subscription is so powerful. It's not that we're trying to please everybody and we're trying to get all these clicks. You're not going to have clickbait pieces. You're not going to have, um, you know, content after content. You're not going to have piece after piece after piece just trying to, like, up the hits totals. What we're trying to do is just give exactly what people want and, and create a, that sort of foster that connection with the reader directly, not worry about advertising, just have this nice, readable. Uh, and, you know, from my perspective, it's really cool that I get to work with, I think, one of the best writers in every in every market. We've, they've done a really good job hiring uh, writers in every market. And each time I've been like, that's exactly who I would have hired. So, you know, we've got great local writers on the national side. It's me, Ken Rosenthal, and Jason Stark uh, doing business. So a lot of great writers. And right now with the sale, it's uh, $3. So it's you know, $2.99 a month. So, you know, basically a soda at a ballpark uh, to, to get to read all these great writers. And I think I saw you did the math somewhere about like 13 to 15 cents per uh, per piece that you put out there. So that, that's not bad at all. That's a, that's some great value. And if any of you who are just interested in baseball and you're watching it daily, the uh, the athletic MLB is no doubt the place to be. As we continue on and kind of finish off the rest of the, uh, the league, we didn't talk a ton about the ALS. You mentioned the Angels. We know the Astros are going to be good. Um, do we expect really anything from, from anyone else in there? The, the Mariners, the, the A's, the Rangers, kind of middle of the line to maybe slightly below average type teams? I think if there's a bold prediction beyond the Angels being good, uh, for me, the Athletics actually profile very similarly in that they have a great lineup. They don't have the best player in the game in Mike Trout, but they have a great lineup with that, not that many holes, um, and a young core in Matt Olson and Matt Chapman and a couple guys on the way uh, that could provide the, the thump and, and, the, and the batting that they need, they just have like 30 different pitchers and they don't know which ones are good. So, you know, we'll have to just watch and see if they find pitchers. Their best prospect, unfortunately, A.J. Puck, just went down with Tommy John surgery. So that was a place that I thought they could find, uh, find gold. And so maybe... The, the athletics will be better next year than they will be this year. But uh, they're starting to get more interesting. The Rangers and the Mariners are kind of older teams that are, you know, on the way out. But this is a more competitive division uh, than the, the Central for sure. I mean, even if the Mariners, Rangers, and athletics aren't good, they're all going to be at least around 500. And I think that'll cap the – that'll bring the Astros down a little bit and uh, – 
you know, something like 94 wins will win that division, and the worst team will have, you know, 78, 78 wins, 77 wins. It'll be a, a pretty good division. And then uh, another division, as we move over to the National League, that I think is going to be a really fun kind of deep division to watch is the Central. They seem like they're getting a lot better because the, the Cardinals this year are a team that I think will take another step forward. They have a lot of talent. The real question with them is is going to be their pitching staff. And then the Brewers, they're I can kind of in a similar spot. They're going to mash the ball. Um, they're just kind of waiting on Jimmy Nelson to come back. But they do have a couple decent starting pitchers. And if they can get – some uh, someone else in that starting rotation to kind of have a strong year. I think they're going to make things a little difficult for the Cubs in the Central. So with those three teams right there, and then with the Reds team, that isn't completely awful, and that can hit the ball and compete a little bit. That Central division should be kind of fun. Yeah, I think there's uh, there's a lot to the storylines there. I mean, the Cardinals going out and getting Marcelo Zuna, that was the kind of deal that they want to do all the time because they're really good at producing kind of league average guys. They're really good at producing quality depths. They have lots of great, lots of okay players. You know, they've done a really good job of that. Being able to put a bunch of those types of prospects together and get a great player, Marcelo Zuna, I think was a huge thing. And they'd love to do that uh, on the pitching side. They'd love to do that with anybody because they're really good at, at producing depth. Um, you know, will, will it be enough to, to catch the Cubs? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, but I think that'll actually be more exciting. The projections have it: Cubs ninety four, Cardinals eighty six. I think that'll be tighter. I actually think that'll be tighter. I think the Cardinals will be with the Cubs until mid September, late September, and the Brewers will be a wild card contender. The thing that's tough about the Brewers is the pitchers don't look good. <laughs> um, their best pitcher throws like eighty seven miles an hour. Uh, Kyle uh, in Davies there, Zach Davies, but he's a little bit like Kyle Hendricks. He really can move the ball around, has great command, has a lot of different pitches, and um, you know they have this guy Josh Hader coming out of the bullpen. That's going to be Andrew Miller esque. He's a wild lefty with great velocity. That long hair guy too. He's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they've got some players. Brandon Woodruff is a got a heavy heavy sinker. You know, throws ninety four, ninety five. Uh, so they've got some some pieces, uh, and obviously, like you said, they're gonna they're gonna score a lot of runs. I think that they're they had a deal on the table. I'm not sure of what the deal was, but I think they had a deal on the table to trade away some of that outfield uh, prospect depth that they've got, especially now that they've got Kane and and Yelich in, in center. Uh, that they that they wanted to go and trade some outfield prospect depth for a starting pitcher, um, and I think that they. They didn't quite uh, get that deal done. We'll see if that's something they uh, will be looking to do uh, as the season moves on. One kind of last, just kind of big picture question for you. The, the last couple of years, we've seen launch rate as the big overviewing topic. A lot of players changing their swings, altering their launch rate. Um, this year, a couple of things I was reading was um, that contact is kind of coming back into play because. Last year, there were 117 players with 20-plus home runs and only five players who had a strikeout-walk ratio that was even, one-to-one. And then some of the big home run hitters didn't get paid a ton in the offseason because there were so many of them. Guys like Chris Carter, Logan Morrison, and Moustakis didn't get big contracts. Teams maybe aren't valuing home runs as much because they were so widespread. Do you see maybe a a kind of a turn going back to on-base percentage, stolen bases, like versatility and defense? Is that something you've been kind of hearing, or is that something I'm just reading too much into? 
I, I'm not sure about the uh, stolen bases aspect just because the value of a stolen base is, is pretty low when there's a lot of offense from the home run. Um, basically, if you get caught once in, in three times, you've negated a lot of that value from the, from the two stolen bases you did get. So, um, you know, I'm not sure about stolen bases, but I do think the rest of what you said, there's a lot there because a, a, a person in the front office told me, he said, you know, if the ball is going to reward you so much, and right now the ball, there's evidence, significant evidence that the ball is different than it was in 2015 and 2014. Um, if the ball is different now and it's going to reward you uh, when you put it in play, why not look for players that can put the ball in play? And I think you saw, like, with a guy like Todd Frazier, um, only getting two years and $16 million, with the guys you mentioned, that teams would rather pay money for guys who can put the ball, ball in play now. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that was a really huge underrated part, part of the Astros and the Cubs getting better. Both of those teams had huge leaps in contact rate and strikeout rate right before they won the World Series. Uh, the, the Astros, the year that they won the World Series, had improved their strikeout rate more than any other team in the history of baseball year to year. So, and, the, and the Cubs the year before were only about a one, or one percentage point off of that improvement. So um, if you want to look at, for teams that are going to do that this year, that was actually in my 10 bold predictions. Um, maybe the Rays, but uh, the Rays are not... Um, that good of a team, but uh, look down the list, and the Brewers and D-backs and Athletics are all really improving their strikeout rate this year. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. But uh, I do think that teams would rather have players that can put the ball in play if if uh, the ball is so live right now. Very lucky to have Eno Saris, analytics of baseball from the Athletic MLB. Eno, uh, right as we let you go, I'm sure you saw the other day. How are we going to get more of those interviews like that Mookie Betts interview when he's out in right field and the ball gets hit over his head? He's like, I'm not going to get this one, guys. That was great. I think <laughs> baseball moving forward needs to kind of look into doing some things like this because we're baseball fans. But anytime you can can do something a little bit different, people people will watch. Is, is there a maybe not during the game, maybe like in between innings or when you're warming up? Is there a a way, anything in your head that you've thought of where we can incorporate this? I'm not sure. I mean, that was definitely a spring training moment. Uh, right, that was If good. that happened in the regular season, his manager might have been mad that he, was, uh, <laughs> that he missed the ball and was talking. But uh, I do actually think that StatCast, you know, people will kind of look at StatCast, which is like this new, uh, all the stats that are coming in, the new analytics and stuff. Uh, people look at that sometimes and say, oh, that doesn't, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't enjoy all those numbers. But I do think it can actually add an element of fun to the broadcast, which you'll start to see um, are, uh, you know, comparisons of great catches where they can actually overlay them and show first steps and range. And uh, they'll do some really cool highlights, I think, this year where they'll be able to show you uh, how amazing these players are. I mean, I think that's a big part of, uh, of what the new numbers can do is, is kind of highlight. Because these, these, they're amazing athletes. People sometimes slag on baseball and say, oh, they're all, you know, kind of fat and overweight or whatever. But they're, they're not. These guys are amazing athletes. And it, whatever we can do to showcase that, I think, I think you'll see a little bit more of that this year. You know, let everybody know where can we find you and what will you be working on next? Uh, I'm at, at E-N-O-S-A-R-R-I-S on Twitter. Uh, right for The Athletic. And if you just want to get a sampling of my work, uh, there's a free piece up uh, on The Athletic 
about uh, three days in the life and the finances of a minor leaguer. It's a horror story, basically, about uh, a recently retired minor leaguer telling me basically every single thing about how much money he made and what his days were like. Uh, and uh, it's kind of eye-opening if you don't know anything about minor league baseball. So um, I'll be working on things like that. I, I talk to the players, do analytics, bring the numbers together, what the players say, and uh, I'll be doing all year doing a little bit of fantasy baseball too. Kick back, enjoy opening day, crack open a few of those nice beers that you love, and we thank you very much. Have a good one, Eno. Thanks for having me. Always. Uh, Eno Saris, very lucky to have Eno back with us again in our baseball preview on the Mike Abadier Show. We only have about uh, three or four minutes left in the show, so a big thank you to Eno and a big thank you to Jerry Harrison Jr., who uh, will be covering the Dodgers today on this opening day. If you uh, follow us on Twitter... Or if you follow me on Facebook, you can see that Mrs. Bacola is quite excited for Dodger opening day. One of our uh, family friends, Mrs. Stacy Tucker, had to make some Dodger cupcakes and cookies for us. So uh, we've got Dodger cupcakes, Dodger cookies. We are all set for Dodger opening day here. And with the last couple of minutes, we want to shift on over and go through what happened in March Madness. We are down to the final four, folks. If you are a fan of Sister Jean, you are in great shape because how about Loyola with their big, big run? What we want to do is we want to give a a shout out to the two different groups we have going on right now. We have the Yahoo Mike Abadir Show bracket pool and tied for first right now, Jacob Hirschman and Jason Hoya Paranoia. Joseph's genius bracket is in third. Brian's top-notch bracket is in fourth. And Beth, mostly chalk, is in fifth in that one. And then over in our second chance bracket that we had, uh, we have uh, Travel Eakin, Oval, 2000-2000, Eagle Fan, and Fosterelli. They are at the top. Remember, prizes for the top three finishers in the Mike Abadir Show group. And then in the second chance group, prize for the winner And both the winners of the group will have the opportunities to come on the show and host a segment talking whatever you would like. So big thank you to everyone for getting involved in that. We want to remind you, like always, to head to iTunes, give us a nice five-star rating and a review. Folks, if you don't know, those take about a minute or two, and they help us so much. They can help us move up the lines as far as uh, advertising and sponsorship stuff. It helps other people find our show. So if you just have a minute... Go and you click that five star, and then you you can put a little write up. I like these guys. Um, sometimes Gino needs to shut up a little bit more, but I still like them. You know, something like that. That would be great. Love to hear from you. Um, and, and remember, folks, this is the the final four weekend. We will have the big games on the thirty first. So on Saturday, Loyola, Michigan, and then Kansas, Villanova championship game will be on Monday. So next week we will be recapping the the final four games and next week is going to be a big horse racing centric episode we're going to have a few different guests on because the following weekend will be three major prep races for the kentucky derby it's going to be the santa anita derby the wood memorial and the bluegrass from keeneland so we will have uh, three different horse racing guests on each one of them We'll be focusing on one of the racetracks we're going to talk about the three-year-old prep race and then a couple of the undercard races on that Saturday. Thanks to everyone for listening in to another episode of the Mike Abadir Show. Thank you to Jerry Hairston and Eno Saris. 
Mike had to duck out a little bit early today, but we held down the fort very well. Folks, you know where to find us, www.themikeabadirshow.com. Subscribe on iTunes and leave us that nice five-star rating. We'll be back and see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.